This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is your homegrown sports book, where local takes on an entirely different meaning, focusing on the teams, games, and players that matter to you. Sports Interaction is on the ground, on top of all the local trends, and offering prop bets that you'd never even imagined existed. From same-game parlays to a best-in-class casino featuring thousands of games and live 24-7 dealers, giving you that Vegas experience at any time of day. And now, introducing The Locker Room, the first of its kind in Canada, a live watch party for the biggest games of the week, providing in-game betting tips built directly into the site. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Go to sportsinteraction.com sdpn to open an account and bet local. 19 plus, please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please go to connexontario.ca. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local. Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Eight hours ahead of me, CJ, coming at you from Sweden. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too, man. We're uh, we're a day late, and that's my fault. No, don't do this. Let's not get into. We're a day late. I missed our fault. Thursday recording. I literally slept through it, <laughs> like straight through it. I don't. I haven't done that much. I'm I'm an adult. Yeah, but like you you had the jet lag, flew from Toronto to Sweden. You, you were pretty. You were pretty zonked. Yeah, and I didn't sleep the first night literally at all. Like we were in the group chat. The whole night, my time zone. It was the day or the evening for you. But still, I woke up. We were supposed to record at 8 a.m. Stockholm time. It was like 10.30. And I was like, oh, man. Like, there's no way. If Julian's still awake, it's because he went to a bar. It's not because, you know, he's not up waiting for you a podcast. And, I, and I'm here sleeping. So I'm sorry, bud. But we made it's it. It's okay. I, I, appreci- I appreciate that. But, like, I, I've also had that happen where accidentally I've slept through radio hits and stuff. And I'm pretty sure I, I, I woke up late for a podcast recording once for this show. So let's call it even. Okay. Do you know what's cool, though, Julian? I'll say this. I've been in Stockholm now for three days. Yeah. I've had, I don't know, at least 10 people come up and say they love the show. What's going on? Is Julian here? So, oh, wow. You know, obviously, I'm running in hockey circles here. I'm at I'm at these games, and and so I'm in the places where people would be listening to a hockey podcast. But still, it's it's been cool to meet random people out here and realize that you know we have a following in places you wouldn't expect, even if it's a small one. It's pretty neat. I gotta say, it is really cool uh, to know that our podcast goes beyond our respective rooms where we record. There are people in North America and out in Europe who uh, listen to our show and, and subscribe to our show. So uh, thank you so much to uh, everyone in Sweden and everyone else who subscribes to our show. We've done Tack 199 episodes. Taximikit, Sweden. What, what, what is, what or is that? Or Tuzentak. What, what does that mean? Uh, Taximikit, I think, is loosely. Thank you very much. Tuzentak, I believe, is Norwegian, but it seems like Swedes use it. It's like thousand thanks, like many thanks. How good is your Swedish? That's it. If, like, if, if we could do a whole show... How many Swedish words do I know? We just we just recorded it. Like we could just stop now, pretty much. I got like skull, which is cheers. When you see someone, you greet them. You say chana, okay, Ch- or chana lagget. But okay. that's 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 about the extent of my Swedish, if I'm being honest. 
So Duolingo, did you download Duolingo before you uh, left for Sweden? I did not. I did not. I'm not <laughs> pretending I'm going to learn it. I mean, I think if you can say thank you, you can say hi to someone in sort of the way they would say to each other, skull or cheers. I mean, that, that's universal to, to be able to do that. So like, I've got, I've got the important parts down. And, and to be quite honest, at least in Stockholm, I mean, basically anyone I've encountered or everyone speaks some amount of English. So um, they're accommodating me, not the other way around. So how's the hockey been in Sweden? Which I have to say, for a lot of people uh, outside of the out of the Ontario regions, that's that's a genuine question to ask. Not just because you know, hey, you're in the building and you get to take in the atmosphere, but a lot of people would have wanted to watch Detroit and Ottawa play against each other. Uh, regional blackouts are a thing, and that kind of prevented us from watching that game. So when I ask, how's the game? Please be as specific as you can, because I have I did not watch a second of the game beyond whatever highlights I could watch because it was not available to me in my region. That kind of stinks to, to hear that just because oh, it's not kind. It does not kind of stink. It absolutely stinks. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it was four nothing in the game for Ottawa and then it goes to overtime at four four. So I, I just think any game that has that dynamic to it, it's it's a pretty interesting game. There was a lot of penalties in the third period. Um, and somehow Detroit still gets to overtime, and then Tim Stutzla ends it uh, batting a puck out of the air to win in overtime. So, from oh, a pure boy. from a pure hockey perspective, it was a cool game. The, the crowd was good. You know, it's still kind of weird. Like there definitely are fans of the teams here. Believe it or not, I mean, we'll see today the Leafs play. So I'll, maybe I'll learn that there's a ton of Torontonians or Canadians that came over that are Leaf fans. But the biggest fan group that I've seen is the Minnesota Wild fans. Um, and they, they've yet to play as well, of course. But of, of the four teams here, Detroit, Ottawa, Toronto, and Minnesota, there's there's a huge number of Minnesotans uh, that, that have come over as part of like a trip, I think, that the Wild put on or maybe some tour agency there. And uh, But then, you know, you still have fans from across Europe. I, I met a guy last night uh, before the game who came up and talked to me. He was wearing a Thomas Shabbat jersey, and he's a huge Sens fan. And he went to school with David Pasternak when he played for Sodatalia here in Sweden. Oh, wow. Uh, prior to going to, to North America and, and joining the Boston Bruins. Uh, so I guess my point is there, there's there's people of all kind of stripes and backgrounds. But, I mean, I think if you live in Europe and you love hockey, love the NHL, you, you know, a lot of people are here. So um, it was it was a fun night. And it's a pretty big thing when you think about it that they've, they're going to play four games in four days here in a market that isn't. You know, there's no home team, so that, that's that's a lot to ask of a ticket buying public, I suppose, or, or to hope. And so, we'll see if maybe the enthusiasm dims as we go along because we've only seen one of those games so far. But it's it's been pretty cool, and it's super dark here. This I'm not I'm not using excuses for my sleep in, but I will say this: when you fly across the ocean and you're already list just normal messed up from jet lag, and then the sun is barely up at any point. Like it's, it's a bit like being in Vegas. Like you don't know what time it is ever. Like the, the, you know, like the day is not giving you feedback on what time it is. And so even I know we're recording at 8 a.m. my time now, like it feels like if you told me it was like midnight, 2 a.m. Noon, I'd believe it. Like it's it just, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's just almost a little bit of a surreal experience. I think all around to be at NHL games for NHL teams here. That's the other thing on Wednesday, all the teams practice, like, I was in press conferences for four NHL head coaches within a span of like three hours. Uh, it's, it's pretty busy at the rink for the, for that reason. And, uh, 
you know, it's cool. And it's, I'm sorry that more people can't see the games. I mean, I, I don't know if the time is conducive to it anyway. You know, I'm sure some people had things to do on a Thursday afternoon when I was at the game at night, but back home, I mean. Uh, but it was it was a good game. It was fun. And the other thing about this, like, like we could talk about all the sideline stuff, team bonding. They get the you know, like it's. I think it's a cool experience for the players and people who work for the teams. But it feels like a few of these teams are really kind of in it. You know, like the Wild have had a tough stretch here. Um, Ottawa, I mean, that's a big win to come out five four. But you know, they're not that far removed from their t- difficult stretch. The Leafs won the last two games before they came to Sweden, but it, it hadn't been all roses before that. So these games are actually important too because a few of these teams are still trying to establish themselves in the season. By the way, um, I appreciate the fact that uh, you sound like you are about to do some kind of ASMR recording. What does that mean? Your voice is very low. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's, it's first thing in the morning. I don't know. That's probably why. <laughs> It's, Hello, it's, it's, <laughs> Adrian. Sorry. Coming at you from Stockholm, Sweden. Are you trying to be the white Barry White? Like, what is this? <laughs> well, I'm not trying, but okay, I'll be more serious after Hello, that. Hello, prom- Julian. I promise I'll be more serious after that. I just had to get that out the way. Um, <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, how about more Leaf stuff? Uh, I know a lot of people were worried. Uh, well, not worried, but people are obviously going to ask about William Nylander and his contract stuff. But he seems like he's he's enjoying his time being home. There's like a cute little video surfacing this week of all these kids approaching him and asking him questions. Yeah, and uh, like great one. job by also by uh, Jonas Siegel uh, at The Athletic uh, writing a profile on uh, William Nylander as well. How has he been enjoying his time in Sweden? He is a man in his element. Like his absolute element. He... Without question, I would say of the four teams here, and obviously I think there's 17 Swedish players across the four rosters, he right now is the most popular, the most sought after from a media perspective. You know, he's doing the traditional interviews. He's doing the, you know, with people like me or you, if you were here, he's doing the that the stuff you see with those kids. He's, I was at the, the there's a Borja Salming docuseries premiere here uh, on Tuesday, which I've actually, I can't even put into words how crazy that was. I've never been to like a Hollywood movie premiere, but that is, that's gotta be the closest thing I've ever seen. There was 30 Swedish camera crews there and literally any hockey star that's anywhere near this place was, was like walking the red carpet doing media with people like me, but even the other stuff they're you know, they're taking pictures there. I'm talking like, you know, Matt Sundin, Nicholas Lidstrom, Henrik Zetterberg, um, Brendan Shanahan, Steve Eiserman. You had the active players, including William Nylander, and I don't know Swedish celebrities, but it, it seemed like every celebrity in Sweden was there. I mean, like movie stars and stuff too. Like it was bananas. Um, and William Nylander, I'm just saying in that context of all of that was, I know I, I don't know if I can say he was the biggest star, but he was in the mix for being the one who drew the biggest reaction. Um, you know, obviously kind of a stylish guy in general. Uh, and I think he, I just, I just get the feeling the sense from him that he just loves this and that's that's kind of cool um just to see you know even being around the leafs like it's it's usually austin matthews or mitch marner's world you know for these few days few days anyway it just seems like william nylander is the guy and i I don't know what that means he'll do anything in the games or what will happen but 
from an off ice perspective, um, he's the, he's the one. And I'm very curious on Saturday, I heard that him and Matt Sundin are making an appearance in central Stockholm downtown, uh, together. And, you know, Matt's is probably one of the biggest of all time, Swedish uh, stars. So I'm just curious to see how that goes over, what it's like. And, uh, yeah, you're right. William Nylander's everywhere. He's, uh, he's so hot right now. Anything else you're looking forward to during your time in Sweden uh, before we wrap up and go to sports interaction? I haven't had any Swedish meatballs yet. I know that'll make someone cringe, but it feels like there's so much talk about them here. Like, I, I used to think it was almost a joke, but then even like last night, Dominic Kublik was interviewed on the, the scoreboard in, at the intermission, and he's talking about the Swedish meatballs. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting like a good meal or two in uh, before I go. Obviously, it's it's been uh, it's been busy in, in the best way possible, but there's a lot going on work-wise, and um, I'm just glad that I'm not going to miss the next podcast while I'm here. Oh, well, that's well, that's good to know. Uh, one thing I realized, I didn't go through all the list of topics that uh, we're going to try to get to. Uh, the discussion of uh, potential changes to three-on-three overtime is going to come up. Uh, Gary Bettman spoke uh, in Sweden, and uh, he had a lot to say in terms of uh, uh, updates to the uh, possibility of international hockey, uh, the draft potentially being at the Sphere, uh, we'll have a Hockey Canada update as well. And uh, it's Thursday. Well, it's Friday. So I <laughs> it's guess Thursday for stick- the purposes of the pod, though. Yeah, it's Thursday. It's the Thursday show. So we'll have stick taps. Love that. I hope you have a stick tap ready. I don't, but I've still got some time. We have we have a lot to get to before we get there. Oh, definitely. We do. Uh, but before we get to all that, let's head to You Can Bet That uh, for Sports Interaction. It's all part of the game. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. CJ, which point streak will last longer? Uh, William Nylanders, which is currently at 15, or Artemi Panarins, who is at 14? Believe it or not, Sports Interaction has them both at 1.91 to 1 uh, if you're picking either of them to extend longer than the other. What happens if they both go on to eternity? There could be no end. Yeah. Like, what if what if they just get points in every game they play for the rest of their lives? (laughs) But I will say this. Here's something to think about. So the Leafs, you know, after this recording, play two games in Sweden. And then they don't play again until next Friday, uh, Black Friday down in the States after U.S. Thanksgiving, just because of the travel back to North America. And so if you think William Nylander can get points in the next two games, there's there's a bit of a break built into their schedule. And so that might give him the edge to me. Um, certainly, of course, no guarantee he gets points in those two games. But, you know, given what we've talked about already, that, you know, how much this seems to mean to him, what's going on, you know, how well he's played this year. And then it, it's basically he's got to get points in two games. We saw nine goals total in the first game played over in Stockholm. You know, I, I, I think that might be the, the smarter way to play it. Um but it's a tough call. I mean, they're both they both have fantastic starts to the season. Absolutely. By the way, uh, Rangers play on Saturday. They haven't played, I believe, since last Sunday. They play the Devils on Saturday, and then they play the Dallas Stars on Monday. So the next two games for Artemi Panarin, if he wants to get points, oh, those are not going to be walks in the park uh, against those two particular teams. Absolutely no. not. I guess, though, the X factor, too, is you just wonder, like, the Leafs haven't played in five days uh, before they play Friday. Like, that can be a good thing for rest, but it can also be a weird thing timing-wise. So maybe 
know, it's, it's a tough call, but I think, I think I would go Nylander in that instance, just because Panarin has to do it for more days in a row to get to this time next week. All right. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. This episode of the Chris Johnston show is brought to you by Shopify. If you could trade a bench warmer for the goat, you'd do it, right? Get your business a game-changing pickup by choosing the commerce platform with the internet's best converting checkout. That's Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed sneakers or offering official outfielders outfits, you are covered through Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. Shopify also powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. Being a truly global force, they power Allbirds, Rafis, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash johnston, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash johnston to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash johnston. As we uh, resume uh, the Chris Johnston Power Hour, where our voices sound like we're on an NPR podcast, it's time for us to run through some news and notes. Well, shout out producer NHL. Drew. I'm I'm in his hotel Childhood. room, and he's got the setup here. And I, I think the microphone—it's like giving me low voice superpower. Yeah, that's. But also, you mentioned I mentioned ASMR, and you said you don't know what ASMR is. You don't know what it is at all. I've heard of it, but I, I no. I mean, I'm so. We have such a disconnect, right? So so often you bring something up. I don't mean that we have a disconnect. Like, I love you, man. We, love there's you so like, many times, <laughs> but there's so many times you bring something up and you're like, you don't know what that is at all. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm not playing. I'm not playing games. Like, I no, I don't know what it is. It was either I was either going to make an ASMR reference or I was going to say your voice would have fit perfectly on the new Andre 3000 flute album that dropped. Also over my head. See, see that is definitely not going to reach your reach you. Absolutely no. not. No. In any Come, case. Coming at you live from Stockholm, Sweden. <laughs> All right, Stockholm CJ. That's We're adding that to the list of nicknames, by the way. Stockholm CJ. <laughs> I love it. I'll take it. Let's put it in. I do um, love the city, though. I love it here. It's cool. It, I don't want to be seen that I'm only complaining, like, oh, it's dark and all this stuff. That's just more like it, it's, it's leading to my mind being confused about what time it is. I'll be honest, too. This week, I, I've not – I've had trouble keeping track – of the games back home. I mean, obviously I'm looking at the scores, but like literally zero opportunity to watch them unless I stayed up to some hour. Drew was mentioning he watched the NFL game last night, which was I think 2.15 a.m. kickoff where we are. So, Oh my God. That, that's, that's fiend behavior. Yeah. I'm going to try to find the Cowboys game on Sunday. I have no idea. Like I have zero idea if, if there would be establishments around here that show NFL Sunday, but I'm gonna I'm gonna endeavor to to discover that. Who are the Cowboys playing on Sunday? I forget. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, Gary Bettman spoke yesterday, and uh, well, I mean, said a lot of things, and you tried to get as much as you can in uh, your latest column uh, with the Athletic, where you got a lot of good details in uh, with uh, with regards to 
the NHL draft, uh, with regards to international hockey, with regards to, to neck guards as well. You got a lot going on uh, with your latest for the athletic here. Johnston, NHL progressing towards 2024 draft at the Las Vegas Sphere, World Cup latest, and more. Of all the stuff you learned uh, for your column, which one stands out to you as the biggest news and note for you to chomp on and talk to us about? Well, I think the sphere thing is most interesting to me. And maybe maybe not to the average fan who's not going to the draft. Maybe it's not as hot button. And and to be clear, this didn't come from Gary Bettman specifically. He, he talked sort of broadly in, in general strokes about what they're trying to do with the draft, as did Bill Daly at the press conference. But, you know, what I can tell you from behind the scenes is that basically, as we've discussed in 2025, I would expect we're going to the sort of decentralized draft where everything changes from what the NHL is the way it's done business since 1963. And we have a chance now for one final kind of send off to the old draft format, um, which is great for the STP, for the CJ show, for Julian. Like it, it, it might be, might be a really fun time. And the, the NHL has a chance to become the first of the major professional sports leagues in North America to hold an event at the sphere. And, and I I've only seen this thing on like, the, the cell phone videos that, that have surfaced from people went to U2 shows there and the like. Uh, I know our colleague David Alter in Toronto, actually big U2 fan, went out and went, saw two of the shows there. So he's told me about how cool it is. But it, it just looks like a really crazy venue, uh, crazy in a good way, with a wraparound LED screen. Um, it's like 10,000 times bigger than any scoreboard the NHL's ever used for any draft. And I just think it might be this this really cool event if it can come together. And so, you know, it seems like the only or the biggest thing, um, you know, standing between the league going there or not is is the cost of everything. It's not just the cost to get the building, but, you know, there's a cost with producing everything you need to make use of the crazy sound system they got with, with that LED screen. Um, but, it, you know, my sense is the NHL feels like things are on a good track to make that happen. And. So it's good news for you and I and the listeners. We might be together in Vegas in not that what, seven months. Fly by. Uh, and maybe get a chance to go to the Sphere, which I think would be super cool. Absolutely. I'm counting down the days as we speak, CJ. I like that. I mean, I can't imagine our live show in Vegas. Let's not schedule that one too early. <laughs> Although if you survive Nashville and Montreal, I mean... You got live this. show in Vegas. Okay. Well, mm. having learned from those last two, um, I will do everything I can to be in tip top shape for the recording. Okay. I, 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 CJ show promise. Uh, I will not complain about time. I will not complain about my own condition or however I feel that morning we record. I will be ready to play for a live show CJ recording in Las Vegas. I like that. Are you a gambler? Like, if you're in Vegas, are you going to go play some craps or blackjack or slots or anything? I have, I have played blackjack in Vegas. I have come out okay, uh, but okay. I don't know if I'm going to tempt fate again uh, for the draft uh, in 2024. I don't. That remains to be seen. We could do the show live from a blackjack table. Could we actually do that? No, there's no way. <laughs> but it, it would no. be it would be fun. That's why I'm asking the question. I don't know if we should be doing that. <laughs> it would be fun, but uh, yeah, it does seem like that's going to happen. And there's still a world. I should be clear. There's a world that this doesn't happen. I suppose 
or even the decentralized draft, which would keep us apart, uh, kicks in in 2024. But it, it just seems like now that the feeling, the flavor, the, you know, what I'm hearing is that it's the sphere is the sphere is in the, the crosshairs. And if anyone watches the F1 race this weekend, um, I know they're going to in, incorporate the outside of the sphere in some way in that race. So, you know, this is this is something that anyone in the sports entertainment industry is wanting to do. And so I, I do think it's it's not insignificant. NHL is in the mix there. And, and you know, guess who owns the sphere? MSG, which is owned by Jim Dolan, who owns the New York Rangers, and New York Knicks. So the NHL at least does have a, a little bit of an in to make it happen. And uh, yeah, so stay yeah, tuned yeah. and we'll see if, if it goes down. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure there's, I'm sure someone, there's like a crossover of like Rangers, Knicks fans who hears James Dolan's name and they feel something. I don't know. Anyway, um, do you have an international hockey world cup update for us? A little bit. Um, you know, Bill Daly was pretty clear about where things stand and you know, it's actually funny. There's a quote from Gary Batman. I wish I had it in front of me. It was something along the lines of like, you've been hearing me you've been hearing us talking about the world cup longer than you want to. And we've been talking about it longer than we want to um, because there's, you know, there's been very iterations and, and potential timelines and dates and, you know, between a pandemic, um, I think the Russia Ukraine conflict has gotten in the way of when it might happen. You know, the NHLPA has gone through some changes, which, you know, might've delayed things to a certain degree. Um, at least what Gary Batman was saying, but, you know, it does seem as though the league is, has heard the cries of, Many star players, probably most notably Connor McDavid, who I think has on several occasions now been very clear that he feels as though something has been lost by by playing, you know, what's probably about half his career at this point. We don't know how long he'll play, but certainly a, a big chunk of his career. And he's only been in the one World Cup and he was on Team North America, which as fun as it was, it's not the same thing as for Connor McDavid pulling on a Team Canada sweater, maybe being, I guess he wouldn't be the captain now. If you're having that tournament, you're probably giving the C to Sidney Crosby still, but you know, would be the probably the first line center, I think, is not a hot take or anything. And so, um, you know, what the league wants to do is is they're trying now to have an event February 2025. I would I noted the language, the way Bill Daly talked about it. I think he just said an international event, meaning I don't think it's going to be what we would think of as a traditional World Cup tournament. Might be something that is a stepping stone to getting there, um, but it sounds like it's going to be a reduced field of teams. I would not think you would see a Russian team there, for example. Um, but, you know, that's only 15 months from now. And then the hope is to go to the Olympics, you know, another year from that in Milan, 2026. And then basically to establish a World Cup that starts in 2028. And then every two years you have Olympics, World Cup, Olympics, World Cup. Uh, this is the dream. I feel like it's been the dream for so long. You know, I wonder, I mean, I'm just repeating what I'm hearing what's going on in terms of conversations. I have no, like, I just have to believe this is going to happen. I mean, we've, we've kind of lost this chunk of time um, for a lot of the reasons I mentioned, but uh, you know, I just think we're at the stage. It's got to happen that they, that they make this thing um, kind of a permanent fixture that it's not always a debate. Like, is, is it happening? Is it not happening? All that stuff. And so I'm encouraged by it. I think that you're on board that you want to see more international play. I, I think, you know, it just adds some new frame of storylines. You know, what, what, what's the projected rosters? Who makes it? Who doesn't? I, I think all that stuff's interesting. It's hard. You know, I guess there's downsides of players get injured. I mean, there's some risk there too. But 
I don't really see overall much downside for the league to, to actually get this going and get it up and running and build it into something that makes money too. I mean, that, at the end of the day, this is a business and, and there's opportunities there if, if they commit to it and, and pull it off correctly. How often do you spend time putting together like a projected roster for Canada at the next possible international tournament? Well, I, I, I haven't done the exercise in a long time, but I can tell you like earlier in my career, when we were going into Vancouver and I was working with the Canadian press, like we were doing one once a month and then you kind of did like risers and fallers, you know, this is, this would be the projected team today. Um, I'm sure if there, if one of these tournaments gets solidified, I mean, probably you and I will be collabing on one or something for the athletic, but you know, I, I think it's, it's a fun conversation too. Right. And, you know, we know that Canada can go to these events usually with two rosters almost at times. I mean, certainly for the depth of, of forwards, alone um you know it gets a little thinner maybe on the blue line and certainly in goal there'd be a lot of questions about who would start in net tomorrow if there was a best on best tournament with the canadian team um but yeah it's it's gonna be and and it, it's not just you know it's not just canada right I, I think that these are sort of iconic events for anybody um if you're a swede and maybe there's a little le- little less debate about the best say 12 or 13 swedish forwards i think might be a bit more clear cut than some teams, but you always, I mean, at the 12 or 13 or 14 spot, like there's always some debate, right? It's like making a, a wedding list or something. There's, there's like, there's always the next person who doesn't come. Um, and, and so whether you have my, my reference there is whether you have 300 people at a wedding, 500 or 22, it's hard to get to the point where you stop. Cause if you have this 22 people and then you're like, Oh, it's wow. Um, so I, I think that that's, it's part of the, the storyline. And then, the beauty will be if they get it on a regular rotation is, you know, someone's going to lose, right? Like in 2025, who knows, maybe the U S beats Canada in the final or whatever. And I'm not sure what the format's going to look like, but I think it's certainly going to be like a 14 kind of thing. Well, then when you go to the Olympics, that's part of like, Oh, does Canada get revenge? Or, you know, maybe someone in that game has a great moment or a, or a low moment. And there's sort of an individual storyline to be pulled on for future events. So, you know, I'm really biased. I I covered seven world hockey championships. Like we're recording this from Sweden. I've got a lot of friends uh, that work around the world in this game. And I just think the more opportunity for us to kind of pull together, the the better, you know, at the end of the day, whether we think about it or not, like we're all, we're all kind of in the same, we we want the same things. And I I think the more popular hockey can be, the more, frankly, the more kids that play it helps ensure the longer term stability of the sport. And I, I just think something about those international competitions, whether it's a world baseball classic or obviously soccer's world cup is the pinnacle of it. They, they just get attention beyond, you know, like someone like me is not watching a premier league soccer game. Not cause I just, I'm just not that into it. The timing doesn't work. I don't even know where to find the games, but I'm watching a world cup. You know, like I was watching women's world cup games last summer when they were held in Australia. And so you, you, I think you pull in a wider group of fans. Uh, when when you get international competition like that, and so I just, and I feel like the NHL is kind of maybe saying they're in a corner is the wrong way, but because the players want it so badly, I, I just think the pressure is on now to to get something done. So I think we're going to get a baby World Cup 2025, and then let's hope it's just automatic Olympics, World Cup, Olympics, World Cup, and uh, off we go here. All right. What about neck guards? Uh, just want to read this quote from your article from Gary Bedman about this. Uh, when my son was playing high school hockey, he came off the ice from a practice and said the coach 
said neck guards are voluntary. And my wife said, no, they're not. So that's my view. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Gary Batman is a smart guy. And he doesn't say many things by accident. You know what I mean? Like, he's very, you know, he's a lawyer. He's, as I say, he's intelligent. He's a master. I don't know how many of those sort of Q&A sessions over the years I've sat through with him. It's in the dozens for sure. And it stuck out to me, first of all, you know, he's telling a personal story there when asked about a broader question that the sport's facing. And he's he's taking a pretty firm stance. I mean, it's, I suppose it's not a controversial stance, but I mean, he's saying that against the backdrop of the fact that any equipment changes have to go through the NHLPA. You know, I know I've said this, a version of this, a month ago, nobody, this was on nobody's radar, right? Unfortunately, the tragic death of Adam Johnson is, has made the conversation be very front and center. And we've certainly seen a number of NHL players try out neck protection, and I'm sure there'll be more. But, you know, I just, it struck me how firm he was on that. And, and you know, he went on to note that, you know, changes, any any requirements or mandates require sign off from the union, but basically it's his personal view that you can wear neck guards and he strongly encourages, I think was his, the language he used, any player to do so. So, you know, this story has been a bit strange, you know, obviously there's, there's a manslaughter investigation going on in England around the, the, the Adam Johnson incident. And, you know, I, I just, I feel as though I'm, I'm actually, I'm obviously terribly sorry that happened. I mean, I'm not, there's, I'm not trying to like spin this into something, but I'm, I'm glad the conversation is happening after that. I'm glad the response to an awful event, you know, unfortunately a family never gets a brother back, a, you know, a partner or a son. Um, but the fact that, that people didn't just go, oh, okay, this happened in England or it's a freak thing. It's, you know, will never happen anywhere else. Like, I like that at least there's, there's a real, there, there, it seems as though a lot of people, it just scares me, man. Like I, I've told the story, but you know, I remember years ago when, when Ely McKay played for the Leafs and there's a game in New Jersey and he got cut. And I just remember like how you could like hear him scream. You could see the, the trail of blood as he left the ice. And it was a totally innocent play the way, the way most of these things are, right. It's just, it's normal things happening on the ice and a skate gets up in some way. And there's, there's pretty clear and obvious danger there for, for players. So um, yeah, I, I get the feeling we're going to see more cut resistant equipment eventually mandated, but you know, the commissioner sort of is saying, even without mandates, like it's clear that, you know, what he wants to see. The one thing I'll, I'll say on this is what I'm realizing more. And I, I have to admit, it's not something I thought about before this incident, but I'm starting to realize how much more common it is to see skates just rise up and get near a player's face, whether just through a collision, like the other night in Montreal, yeah. uh, I think it was Elias Lindholm's skate got caught up and it's not the blade, but the actual skate hit Caden Gooley, the Canadian's defenseman in the face and he ends up going down the tunnel. Like that, that just happens. And yeah. There was a near just, miss too yeah. about a week and a half ago in the Edmonton Nashville game. Ekholm had a skate up right around his neck too. I mean, like, yeah. And, and when you think about it, I mean, I don't want to think about it cause it, it takes your brain to like, but it's, it's not, it doesn't take much, right? Like it's, it's the flick of a skate and the, the blades are so sharp. The game's played at a speed. Obviously the players are, you know, big men and, and moving at speed. Like it doesn't take a lot of force. Like the force is, the force is the game. The game is, it's, it's a crazy, I mean, it's a breathtaking game. 
Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I, just, I do think that the quote from Gary Batman just it was very a human quote from someone who, had, again, approaches a lot of these things from a lawyerly standpoint. But it, that, that's what made it stand out to me as he told that story about his son and basically in his family. He's saying there's no you don't need a mandate. The, the mandate is coming from the household. And maybe in some ways he's almost saying that broadly for the NHL. Like we don't yeah, we don't have a rule yet. These net guards are out there. The GMs had a meeting in Toronto on Tuesday. They were showing various uh, different protection there that the players can access. And maybe it doesn't take a mandate for, for more and more guys to start trying it out at least. Okay. Uh, where is the NHL at when it comes to the 2018 World Junior, uh, Canadian World Junior Team investigation? Uh, yeah, CJ, where are we at with that? Well, you know, one thing that Batman said is it's they're not – working in lockstep, say, with the London police investigation that's ongoing, with the Hockey Canada investigation that's ongoing. You probably saw this, but there's a sort of an independent panel that Hockey Canada has reviewing um, the events of what happened at this gala dinner back in June 2018. And, and they're now in an appeals process, which, you know, the, the takeaway there is that the, the, the panel found some players to be in violation of Hockey Canada's code of conduct. There's no specifics on, you know, which areas or area of the code of conduct were violated, but the players are now appealing that it, you know, I don't want to handicap this. I know we've talked about it a lot over the last year, but it, it, it does start to feel like we're getting towards the point where there's, there's going to be some discipline perhaps, or there's going to be some clarity on, on where this stands. And, you know, there was nothing firm in terms of a timeline from Gary Batman, but it, I think he, he said like, we're much, 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 much like, like a few matches, closer to the end than the beginning. Um, and, and it is interesting. Like, I don't know how, obviously we're in this industry. This has been a topic of conversation. It's something in, in, you know, at, at times when I'm talking to, to people within the game, it, it comes up. Um, so, and you hear some things, but I, I really don't know what, I don't know how this plays out. I don't, I don't know if we at some point get police charges. If, if it's hockey Canada that comes out and says these X number of players, are in violation or if it's the NHL that ultimately says these X number of players are suspended. Like I, I'm not, I'm not sure really that the next course of events, and I think it's something we've all been trying to get our minds around, but it, you know, it, it does seem like we're getting to, to the end there. And, um, you know, it just cause it's such a serious thing. I just don't want to guess, you know what I mean? But it, it feels, it does feel like there's going to be, we're going to get some resolution. I just don't know what that resolution looks like. Okay. Well, when we get that resolution, we'll definitely talk about it on the show. Um, one other thing before we get to stick taps, uh, you mentioned NHL GM's meeting uh, earlier this week. Uh, one topic that uh, emerged from those discussions, potential changes to three-on-three overtime. Uh, what about the possibility of players not being allowed to go back out of the red or blue line? Uh, when they have possession, when they circle around, you know, as we see time and time again, you know, back when, uh, you know, with, with three on three used to be this great thing where you could see transition play back and forth and then teams decide to hold on to possession. Or what about a shot clock, CJ? What about that idea? How about how about a shot clock in overtime? What do you, do you think, think of the potential changes? I, I, I was in favor of a shot clock. I, I just don't know if that makes more sense as opposed to, you know, whether or not you cross the red line or the blue line like that could be like your you know you can't do like a shock like no not shot clock violation a um over and back kind of thing violation yeah. back court violation yeah i don't know what that looks like 
I mean, I, I'm going to try to keep an open mind about it because yeah. obviously the game evolves. I, I, I still like three-on-three overtime myself. I This almost seems like a solution in search of a problem to me, but, you know, I'm not watching the games at the same rate that, that those in the NHL's hockey ops department are. They're, they're in the, the room every night. They see every three-on-three game. Obviously, this is a trend they don't like or some of the managers haven't liked, but, you know, I get it. I mean, really... The, the, the cool thing about hockey, right, it's hard to possess the puck for a meaningful amount of time because it is such a quick game. There's a lot of back and forth. But when you get into three-on-three situations, it's it's much easier. There's there's less chaos on the ice, and, and you see a lot of teams even throw like almost like a checking line center to, to win the very first face-off because then they can make a change for that player and then control the, the play from there. I'm not... I'm not against it. I just, I, I feel like, I don't know if it's necessary. I'm not sure how enforceable or how, how it'll look like, but I'm, I'm, it's not a sitting on the fence stance. It's just more like, I'm willing to like, listen to more about how this works, but I, I'm not sitting here going like, yes, finally they're speaking my language. I I'm watching these three on three and it sucks. The teams hold on the puck. Like, I think that's kind of the game. Um, You know, you want to cycle when you're in an offensive zone, like you want to control the play and, and throw the other team off its its defensive structure and and it's a little easier to do on three and three but i don't know that we need to like reinvent the thing but you know i'll leave it to i'll leave it to the smarter hockey minds in mind to decide if that's where we go what about uh continuous ot in lieu of a shootout that i would sign up for i mean obviously you can't play into the night forever but I'd, i'd find shootouts a little anticlimactic generally a little bit forgettable, kind of almost a coin flip at the end of, you know, what can be a close game. So I, I don't mind the idea of extending overtime in terms of time because just to decide more games there. But there, there is a limit. I mean, as much as you might remember the odd like three or four or five overtime game that you've seen as a fan or if you're there in the building covering it, like it's no one, it's kind of funny, but no one really needs to watch eight periods of hockey. Or, or whatever, uh, like Columbus. I remember Columbus and Tampa played a five-overtime game in the bubble, and I was there, and I missed dinner. It was like 3 o'clock start that didn't end until whatever, sometime after dinner. So, you know, I don't know that anyone really needs that, but the less shootouts, the better. I'm I'm, I'm team anti-shootout. We can't have ties, though, either. So like I'm, I'm sort of caught between the rock and the hard place. But anything that decides the game before a shootout more frequently is going to have my support. I am all I, I can't have ties. I think the idea of ties just in, in hockey now, I'm I'm past that. We can't have that. But imagine I would much yeah, go ahead. Well, because it's been so long. I mean, it's basically you've never really lived you probably were on earth when there's still ties, but you weren't like a fan then. Like imagine going to a game and it ends no, I two was. T- okay, sorry, but I'm just saying you're young. But it's been a long time, is kind of what I'm getting at here, is that absolutely we haven't had ties. But imagine you went to like a game tonight. And it's, it ends like two two. Like, how would you even feel leaving the building? It'd be just. I know it's normal for soccer, but it, it just it, it would feel so strange. On, but it depends on how you get the tie. If I'm rooting for a team that was down like two nothing and they race back to get the tie, you feel. I mean, you don't feel bad, I guess. Right. But maybe that depends on the context of the two teams. Like, if you're a top team and you're losing to like the San Jose Sharks and you have to rally back to get a two two tie. You're probably not feeling that great, I guess. Well, if, if it's the other way around, maybe you feel great. Let's take the Thursday game in Stockholm. I think if you're a Red Wings fan, you probably wish the team won, but it, you know you came back from four nothing down. You at least got a point, so it's not it doesn't end a tie, 
but you at least get some, I don't know, salvage something out of that. What if like, I, I, it would be a lot easier, I think, if we understood how the points would work in that scenario, right? Like, if you come up with a tie and both teams just get like one point out of it, or like somehow they say some rule where it's like, okay, well, no team gets points. We feel very differently about that scenario with regards to a tie. Right. Right. So yeah, yeah. I, I think less shootouts. Let's 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 just. I don't know how you feel. I I, I just think I remember when shootouts came in. I think it was the 0506 season. Yeah. And it was novel then, and but now I just I don't know. I feel like that it ends quickly, and it's just kind of like a letdown. No matter, it's not about who wins or loses. It's just it's just sort of like oh okay, so we flip the coin at the end, and this team gets an extra point. Let's move on. Yeah. It's but plus again with with how overtimes go now where. You could see a lot of back and forth action. It just, it's just a big buzzkill. It's yeah. just a massive buzzkill to just have it. I'm sure the NHL at some point will, or I don't know, maybe they won't. Maybe you're right. Maybe they just see it as like a, a you don't need to fix this. They don't see it as a problem, essentially. Right. Maybe they just don't. That's, you know, it's funny. Like every once in a while, something at these meetings comes out of nowhere for me. That one kind of came out of nowhere for me. Okay. As I, like, I just right. mean, I, I didn't know that that, obviously, I've watched games where teams hold on the puck, but I didn't know it was something we need to create a rule for. And they haven't created a rule. They're just talking about it. No, exactly. Uh, do you have a stick tack for us, CJ? I do. Okay. I'm going to stick tack Elias Pettersson. I'm oh, in a Swedish like frame of mind. Okay. And we're talking about a guy right at the top of the scoring list, having a great start to the season. We didn't touch on him in today's show, but, you know, working towards an extension in Vancouver – and yeah, it's funny. Like when you're, when you're here, I got interviewed by a couple of journalists, weirdly journalists interviewing journalists is more common here. And, uh, they're always asking like, who's the top three Swedish players or, and so you, you don't, when you're not Swedish, you don't think about that, right? Like I'm not thinking who are the top three Finnish players at any given time, but when you're from somewhere anyway, uh, I'm going to stick tap Elias and I know the Canucks lost a game there in Calgary on Thursday, but. Pretty one of the, one of the big surprises I'd say to start the season in a positive way in the league and uh, stick tap to Elias for doing his thing. All right, um, I guess we'll we'll stick to the two teams from that Calgary Vancouver game. I'll I'll give a stick tap to Jonathan Huberto. Why not? Uh, snaps a goalless drought. Uh, looks to the Evans as he scores his goal. Gets an assist after that on the uh, Elias Lindholm empty netter. Seems like a lot of guys are. I think they're kind of rooting for him to kind of get off the schneid. Like, I don't know. I got asked on a radio station earlier today, you know, what's the vibe around him and stuff. And like, I don't, I don't get the sense that guys in that room have like given up on him or are so frustrated with him. I, I can imagine that they're not all the way happy that he's not producing at this high level, but I don't get this sense that like Jonathan Huberto has like completely alienated himself from the team because of his play. So, and I think there were people who were genuinely happy to see him, uh, score the other night so you know what because I know that uh, for him uh, he probably would like to get back to uh, the level that uh, he feels he can play at I'm not made of stone I'm willing to give him a stick tap for his performance on uh, Thursday night there you go and look it's not for lack of trying or something that's I think that's what you're getting at yeah. his colleagues would know or his, his peers know that sometimes the game isn't doesn't love you back the same way you love it sometimes and that's that's kind of feels like that's where he's been at you know exactly exactly 
And with that, that's going to do it for uh, CJ After Dark. CJ Before Dark, Julian After Dark. Eight hours between us. Yeah, I got that vibe. Um, Monday. So on Monday, are you still in Sweden or are you back? No, I'm flying home. So I I think we're going to have to try for a Tuesday show or something like that or Sunday or I mean, we'll have to figure that out. Maybe Tuesday if you can do it. Yeah, we'll we'll make it work. I got I got a I got a flight through London with a five hour stopover. I guess I could do it from there. Maybe. Oh, but we'll have to work out logistics. We'll work out logistics. The most important thing is that if you have questions for Ask CJ, whether on Discord or on social, on Twitter, or X, X, uh, send those questions in to us. Uh, we'll do our best to respond. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, however you listen to our podcast. Uh, subscribe to the SDPN YouTube channel as well. And stay tuned for when our episode 200 will uh, premiere next week. It'll be our 200th episode. Uh, the next one we do after today 200 man it's crazy yeah. i know right how'd that happen i've never had a podcast go that long <laughs> have you had a lot of like podcasts that go like 22 episodes and in the end um not that many um this is my first podcast that i'm like part of i mean i've appeared on podcasts it all started with a bunch of stp appearances like way back in the day I had a show, uh, the Scrum Podcast, that was a little over 100 episodes. And oh, I believe wow. you were the last person to ever be on that show. <laughs> I, I, I sent it, it into retirement. <laughs> hey, you know what? It was, it's actually a pretty good transition when you really think about it from that old podcast to, to where we're at now. So, Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Yeah. And I hope, as much as I want to mark 200, I hope it's just the start of something that goes even much, much longer, my friend. Exactly. Uh, and I'm CJ more. After Dark in Stockholm, Sweden. <laughs> Yo, I can't. This voice is tripping me out. <laughs> hey, 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 CJ After Dark, you want to wrap up the show? You you want to sign us off with, with that? You know, with your call sign or whatever you want to do since you're in a radio show mood all of a sudden? You yeah, might as well do it. I'm Chris. He's Julian. This is Ben. Episode 199 of The CJ Show. Thanks for joining us. Peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK and McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.